Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. Blues game day. We didn't know if we would get to this day, but here we are. Dan McLaughlin with you and Tanner Hendrickson is our producer, our engineer, Alex Ferrario. He's got a busy day. He is going to be coming up on the show at 11, but also he'll have pregame, postgame, the intermissions of St. Louis Blues hockey coming up tonight. And it's the Blues and the Avalanche. A lot of people are predicting the Avalanche to win the Stanley Cup. The Blues at the last look in Vegas, I think they were 18 to 1 odds is what I saw a couple of days ago. Alex, let's jump right into it. Just general thoughts. Game day, it's here. What do you think? Hold on, Dan. I I need you to go back to that open. I need a little bit more enthusiasm in the fact that it is Blues opening night. I'm what do you what do you want from me? I want you I want to give give me your best Ken Wilson. No, I'm a hey. You know I love uh, Kenny did a great job, but I'm a I'm a I'm a JK you know, guy. Are, well, we're JK's all JKs guys. Come on now, we're all JK guys. <laughs> it's finally here. There it is. The moment we've all been waiting for. Pronger, McKinnis. The days gone by, and now new faces are upon us. Yes, Tarasenko, <laughs> he's banged up, but soon enough he'll be on the ice too. Oh baby, it's 2021. It's game time. There you go. You're incredible with those. That's why I made you do it. People okay. need to hear I, your impersonation. You, Tim you, McCarver, Kenny you, Wilson. You caught me off guard. No. I would have prepared something a little bit better. I thought it was perfect, Dan. Okay. But let's get to it. I'm sorry. We digress, I, and that's okay. that's what we do in live radio. You put I, me I on apologize. the spot. I put you on the spot. I love it, baby. It's that's, game day. Let's it, go. There it is. There's the enthusiasm. No, look, the excitement should be here right now, Dan. You're playing probably the best team on paper to start the season off like in everybody's book, Colorado is the team that should win the Stanley cup. So you're taking on that team first. I love that side of this thing. You're also going on the road first. I love that side of this thing too, because everyone is talking about COVID and how it's going to impact the season. You're going to get a taste of it to start because you're going to Colorado. You're going to be there tonight. You're going to, well, you were there yesterday. You're there tonight. You're there tomorrow. You play Friday. Yeah. That's the other part that I love about this. But here's the thing. And I wrote about this today on 101 ESPN, Dan. This feels like a, a new leaf, if that makes sense. And maybe this is the ultimate optimist in me, but you know, you're starting 2021 with this fresh season. For me, the bubble didn't feel like hockey was back. Hockey hockey hasn't been back for me since March 11th when they went into a pause. The bubble just felt strange. This feels like a new season. This feels like a new leaf turned over. And I know it sucks for people because they can't be in the building for the first couple of games. But think about it this way. You start now with empty stadiums. You get to April or May in the postseason and you can start bringing people back in. And then next year you're into a fresh new normalcy. And and for me, this starts that transition. And that's why I'm so excited for this season. I think that's a great way to put it. And they're going to have to have fans in the stands to survive next year, whether you're the blues or just the league in general, Mm -hmm. they don't have the massive TV contract. They don't have the massive local TV contract. So 
How do they survive? Butts in the seats. So that's a great way to put it. This kind of kicks off maybe that restart. They know they have a CBA in place, so yep. that's one way to look at it for sure. Well, and it's, it, I mean, we're going to see that with baseball too, and I think baseball's in that transition. You know, we kind of saw this with football where you started to bring people back into the buildings. It's just, it's just bubble play for me wasn't hockey, if that makes sense. You know, it didn't feel right. It. The players weren't into it. There was no push for the Stanley Cup like you get in the regular season. So I just, I think this year is going to be different, no question, with 56 games in 116 days. But on top of that, you have all of that adrenaline and excitement that's built into it. What do you think about some of the moves the Blues have made as they went to Denver with the taxi squad, some guys not there, and then the guys that they'll dress tonight? Yeah, that's the cap situation. And I know a lot of people were asking about the Jordan Kyrou situation. And That would be me. Yeah, he was on the taxi squad because of the cap purposes. Once Tarasenko goes on to LTIR, which I would imagine is going to be today, then Kyrou will be placed on that roster. And in the questioning with that was, you know, Frank Saravelli put it out that the NHL is going to basically say whatever moves you do Wednesday are going to be um, uh, compared to what Tuesday was. So it's not going to impact. But Craig Berube said last night he fully expects Jordan Kyrou to be on the roster for tonight's game. I would have take him for his word because frankly, he scares the hell out of me, but it is paperwork. And Doug Armstrong is the master of cap management and paperwork. So I would imagine you're going to see Cairo on this opening night roster. Sammy Blay will probably be a healthy scratch or six defensemen or who you expect them to be. And Jordan Bennington in between the pipes. So we've got the golden Knights. We've got the blues, the avalanche, the ducks, the coyotes. You got the sharks, the wild, the Kings, who comes out of this uh, particular division. I think it's a three-headed monster. I think it's going to be anybody on any single night, and it's going to come down to the Avalanche, the Golden Knights, and the Blues. And I know that's so cliche, but that's really what this is. The interesting part with this season, Dan, every time you play, it's a four-point swing. Right. Like in in normal seasons, when you play an Eastern Conference team, if you lose, yeah, that's a missed out on two points. But you know what? It's two points and it's not four points. When you lose to the Blackhawks or the Avalanche, that stings because that's a four. That's a four point swing that you're missing out on. That's every game this season. So that's why that's why teams like Arizona and Minnesota stress me out so much. Because they can take those four points away from you and they can push you down into the lineup. Everyone's picking Colorado because of how they are stacked. I do think Vegas is going to be very difficult to play this season. So the way I have this division playing out, the top three I have are the Blues, the Golden Knights, and then the Avalanche. Okay, because you're happy talk. My happy talk. Well, you've, you've got the Blues ahead of the uh, of everybody else? I do. Okay. I do. Avalanche. It's, it's a happy talk Wednesday. Well, the Blues had 94 points last year. The Avalanche, 92. They've got mm-hmm. the reigning Calder winner. They've got a perennial hard contender in Nathan McKinnon. They're loaded just about every line that they've got. They've got great speed up and down. I, you know, if you're going to get tested early on, this is it. Yeah. And you start with opening night with the Avalanche. It's a great test tonight. It is. And you know, the one thing that Colorado doesn't have, Dan, it's goaltending. And I say that with the knowledge of Philip Grubauer is a very good goaltender. And he can be a number one goaltender. But what happened to them last year? Their goalies couldn't stay healthy down the stretch. And then in the playoffs, they were bounced by Dallas. Colorado's not going to be easy. But I think if and what Braden Shen said yesterday on the Zoom was, was perfect. You got to play these guys eight times. These guys are the Goliaths in the Western Division right now, you start right away with them. You set the tone immediately. And look, Colorado plays fast, but Colorado lost a lot of punch this offseason. Like Nikita Zadorov, their big defenseman, 
he was traded to Colorado. They brought in a, or I'm sorry, to Chicago. They brought in Devin Tays, who is a good defenseman, but they lost some punch. So if Colorado wants to play fast, that's fine. But I think the Blues are going to be playing that heavy style of hockey. That's the identity that Craig Berube has talked about. And I'm very intrigued by how Colorado responds to that in an eight-game schedule in a season. I, I think the number one thing for the, the league, and this is not uh, overstating the obvious, is getting through COVID. Obviously, yep. we've seen Dallas get hit. And then as you travel and you open up, wondering if it, you do get hit, if it runs through a team, and then trying to make up games and those kind of things, it's going to be very difficult to mm-hmm. do for every single team. As it pertains to the Blues, I, I want to see Bennington get back to where he was prior to the bubble. And if you get that guy... He's got a chance to win you a game every single night, which includes tonight. If you get outplayed in front of him, he yeah. could still win the game, which is what you see in hockey. If you have a goaltender that's that good and can be that good, he can win you and steal you points and steal you games. And that's, to me, the number one thing for the Blues. Yeah, look, I'm not trying to deny the obvious. I understand that Bennington was exposed in that bubble. Like, they found a weak spot on him, and they exposed it. I mean, he got pulled a couple of times. He got start, or Jake Allen started over him. But there's a there's a certain feeling I have with Bennington and we're going to talk with Darren Pang about this tonight Dan we have him on this week in hockey we got an extended version of it and I asked Panger that you know where where's your faith right now with Bennington because everyone's putting him at 13th 15th 12th goalie in the league uh, he's better than that Panger put him in top 10 for the I NHL agree. network and I agree and Panger said this he said everyone wants to remember what you have done for me lately, but nobody wants to remember how you got to that point. And people seem to forget how he played in that cup final. And I understand they had Petrangelo, they had Bowmeister, but Bennington made saves that he shouldn't have made. Bennington made saves because the defense struggled. He was the goaltender that you needed. He did win 30 games last year. And I understand people fire back at me with, well, look at his numbers. The goals against weren't great. That's fine. But as long as he's winning hockey games, that means he's making the save that counts and the Blues are doing everything they can. He may not have the best save percentage, Dan, but you know what? You've upgraded your offense, so you expect to score more goals this season. But I think Bennington's going to be a top 10 goalie this year. All kicks off tonight. Alex Ferrario has the pregame show, but you also have this week in Blues hockey. So you've got your show coming up. You're going to be here all day. Tell us about the uh, programming coming up tonight for hockey. Yeah, I rolled out a sleeping bag, actually, Dan. So if you want to <laughs> hang out later, come on over. We'll uh, pop some popcorn for you. No, uh, we got this week in hockey, a little extended version of it because I want to lead people up to, to uh, the Blues pregame, which starts at 830. Um, Joey and I got Darren Pang and Chris Kerber, who's going to hop on with us we'll get into a little bit about this Colorado thing but then from 7 to 8 30 you know BK and I previewed this West Division last week with a bunch of analysts from these teams so you'll hear from Tyson Nash Ryan Carter Gary Lawless and Connor McGahee kind of previewing those top four teams and then Kevin Weeks and Braden Shen who was on the fast lane so we got a lot of fun stuff to get you set and then of course my pregame stuff from 8 30 to 9 30 looking forward to it the season they dropped the puck tonight Alex Ferrario has you covered great job Blues hockey Oh, baby. Oh, baby. It's more of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Wednesday, and let's visit with Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com. Does a great job covering the Cardinals minor league system, the Cardinals in baseball as a whole. And, uh, Brian, let's hope we've got a little movement with Major League Baseball. I don't know about you, but I I woke up yesterday yesterday with a little hope, a little spring, thinking that maybe spring training is around the corner. What did you think of the news that 
the players and and Major League Baseball memo sent out that said, hey, report on time. We're going to get 162 in. At least we're going to try. But what what did you think when you heard the news? Well, it was the best news I've received on a Monday in a long time, to tell you the truth. Because <laughs> no doubt, they, because you know the general the general perception was that ownership wanted to delay the start of the season, and we all understand why. The longer we wait, the more we learn about the virus. The more people get vaccinated, the better chance that people can go to stadiums and pay for tickets and concessions and everything else. And that's normal, logical. However, the players had come out very clearly, Players Union and, and uh, Andrew Miller, of course, the Cardinals is one of the leaders of that group from the player perspective, said, hey, we're playing 162, we're ready to come. And baseball apparently looked around and said, hey, you know, all these other sports are playing. You know, if we try to say we can't play, you know, we're going to have a hard time with that. And so they basically have said, hey, you know, get ready, show up on time in February for spring training and plan on 162. Now, the, the other news that came out, I think, uh, on Tuesday, yesterday, was that MLB followed that up with very specific guidelines to teams regarding uh, health and safety rules that would allow fans to attend games perhaps as early as spring training. And, you know, it's going to be more like we saw in the World Series where, I don't know, what they get, like 11, 10, 11, 12,000 fans in the ballpark, and they were in sort of pods, you know, six feet apart. But you know, even a quarter capacity of a stadium is a huge, huge improvement over what owners had in 2020, uh, in the 2020 season. So, you know, the news is guardedly optimistic when the players and the owners are saying the same thing. You're the perfect guy to ask about this. Now, as we get to spring training, we may see the minor league season delayed, and I can understand that. You're trying to limit the amount of people inside a complex, around each other, uh, inside the clubhouse. I totally get it. So, when- yeah, I think that's. I think that's. A, I mean, it's not formally announced, but I think that's a pretty much a, a fait accompli. So when they start playing, um, you got to wonder how protective teams are going to be with their arms, much less uh, with the major league team, but with the minor league guys. We're talking about young kids. Some of these kids just out of high school, just out of college. All of a sudden, last year, their season is shut down. It made me think about maybe the piggyback system. We've heard that before. And maybe you can explain uh, to the fans, the Cardinals have done this in the past to some success. Some people like it, some people don't. And I wonder if you can explain it um to the average fan out there and if you like it and if you think the the cardinals and as an industry if we're going to see a lot of that uh, with these minor league teams well first of all yes the staggered minor league season uh where triple a may start on time in april but double a and a will follow in may or june and then the rookie level gulf coast league would be after you know those seasons are going to be truncated and as you mentioned most of those pitchers did not have anything resembling normal throwing workloads in 2020. Yeah, the Cardinals had them on throwing programs, but you can't tell me that's the same as, you know, going to double-A Springfield and, and throwing 150 innings against, you know, high-quality pitching. It's just there's no way that they that what they missed last year can be replicated. So there's going to be a lot of concern about managing arms and managing workloads to make sure that players don't overthrow. In fact, you know, we saw at the major league level as well where, you know, maybe some of it was personnel, but where Tampa Bay would, you know, have a starter and then they'd have a middle innings guy and then a late innings guy. So, you know, that's the kind of thing you could see much more specialization, much more shorter outings. But to your question specifically, 
tandem or another term that you hear piggyback, it's the same basic idea, is when two starters are put on the same throwing schedule. And we see it a lot in spring training with the major league club where, you know, you say, well, uh, uh, Jack Flaherty's going to start the game and Dakota Hudson's going to take over in the fourth or fifth inning. And the idea there is, of course, by having a defined number of innings or really a number of pitches, the workload can be managed much more carefully, but also, as importantly, you can have twice as many starters in the pipeline. Because one of the things that the approach does normally is that, as I mentioned, the Flaherty-Hudson example, uh, Jack starts this time around and Hudson follows. In five days, they flip-flop, and Hudson's a starter and Flaherty follows. Now, it doesn't matter because they still get ready the same way. They still know when they start in, come in. But, you know, baseball players are routine-oriented, so this way it, it kind of helps everybody. And a way to put this into perspective, Dan, you know, the Cardinals, as everybody knows, the Cardinals paired – two minor league teams out of their organization for this year, State College and Johnson City. If you look at how those rosters are defined today, there's still players on those rosters that don't exist. And I'm just doing a quick count of the pitchers right now. I think the number is 17. There are 17 pitchers who are on the State College and Johnson City rosters who right now don't have a place to go. Right, so, right. And a number of them are, are, are starters, guys that were just drafted this last year, Bedell, Prater. So, you know, good quality guys. And if you just said Memphis, Springfield, Peoria, Palm Beach only have five starters each, that's only 20 starters for the entire system other than rookie level, and that's not enough. You need more guys to get those innings. You need more guys to start to sort out who are the guys that are going to make the major leagues, you know, later because it's not obvious in every case, you know, who are the guys that are going to be major league starters. They need that development. So, uh, and this was a concept that the Cardinals did, you know, back in the Jeff Luna days when he was there, that they, they started this piggyback tandem idea, typically at the lower levels of the system. But I think for all the reasons already mentioned, this would be a sound approach if the Cardinals decided to go that route for 2021, whether it's the, the, the long term. Oh, the other thing I would say, the Cardinals have also used that in more recent years, early in the season, you know, af when uh, when uh, players come up to the colder climate, say in Peoria from from uh, Jupiter. And so, you know, they might use tandem maybe for the first month or so or six weeks because they want to see how it shakes out. And, you know, some guys eliminate themselves either by injury or by ineffectiveness. So it's also been used as a way to, you know, give more guys looks but ultimately stream the uh, uh, narrow the rotation down to a more manageable number later in the season. Got to wonder, the delayed season, how much this is going to stunt the growth of these kids. That, that has got to be of the concern of every single major league team right now. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it. As I said, you know, these players, you know, AAA will start on time, but everybody else is going to be delayed. And, you know, it's going to be a domino effect. It could be a month or six weeks later in each case. And, you know, that really, really matters, especially coming off a year where they couldn't play at all. And, you know, we just have to hope that all these minor league towns across the country are able to get fans in the ballparks at some level as well, because as I probably talked about ad nauseum, those local minor league teams – desperately need game day revenue to operate and you know you've got it there's not only the player side of minor league baseball but there's also the business side of those teams that had no revenue at all in 2020 and they really need to get back on their feet so there's just there are so many reasons why 
you just have to hope they find a way to play Major League Baseball, both for the players and for the teams themselves. Brian Walden, thecardinalnation.com, my guest. We do this every Wednesday. Um, I- I'm so curious about this. Now, we've been hearing that Libertor could make the jump to the big leagues at some point this year. Thompson could do the same. Um, these guys haven't been above dub- uh, uh, single A. It made me think, when was the last time a guy jumped from A ball to the major leagues, much less with the Cardinals or anybody else, it's it's so rare to do that. Now, we're in extraordinary times, granted, but that's extraordinary circumstances to do that. It, it takes a special player, and we're talking about two potentially doing that, Brian. Well, now, let me let, – yeah, let, let's talk about the two sides of that coin. One side is I honestly don't remember, Dan, a player who went straight from Class A to the major leagues for the Cardinals. The closest I can think of is Kyle McClellan, who did it from Double A. Where was Pools? But, Where was Pools? Well, no, Pools, Pools actually finished the uh, 2000 right, season with Triple A Memphis in the that's playoffs. Right. But, you know, like a number of these guys, he only had a handful of games. I mean, hell, Dylan Carlson only had, what, 17 games in Triple A. So, that's right. you know, some of the guys who were really the top talent guys really passed through quickly. But, but anyway, to your point, on one hand, I would say, you know, I don't see how Libertor or Gorman would start with St. Louis on opening day. I just, I don't, I don't oh, see I how agree. that would happen. Yeah. But, but let's flip the coin for a minute and remember, hey, those guys did spend all summer in Springfield last year getting some experience. So you could argue that they've got some double A-ish experience. And so for me, Dan, the real relevant question for April 1st or 3rd, I guess when opening day for the minor leagues is, will the Cardinals gamble and put those guys in Memphis to start, or will they play more cautiously, put them in Springfield, let them get success there for six, eight weeks, and then move them up to Memphis? Because even a half a season in Memphis would be more than enough to make them ready to go to St. Louis. And, you know, with the case of Libertor, you can probably work him in. And by the way, I don't want to, you know, exclude Zach Thompson, who, who you know, who probably has more, who has more experience, more experience at, at high A than, than Libertor, who has none. But, but these young guys, what I'm saying is, on the pitching side, you can make the quick move to you know, shift them into the bullpen and let them get their feet on the ground like we've seen so many Cardinals starters do before their first year. But for, for Gorman, you know, what you're really going to need is an injury at third base or an injury at, at, at you know, somewhere in the inf- at first base, God help us, you know, that, that would free up third base. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> God help us is right. <laughs> but, but, you know, the point, <laughs> the point being, you know, you've got to be, you know, I really think you need to be at, at, uh, at triple a and have some success there before the Cardinals want to make a chance, you know, take a chance, bring them in the major league. But like I said, you know, an injury here or there, you know, can change things quickly. So really, I guess my long winded way of saying these guys have, their future in their hands. There's nothing blocking them other than the rate of their own development. So if Nolan Gorman comes to camp, hits well, plays well in big league games, goes down to the minor leagues, plays well, you know, starts to show that, you know, really fully show that potential, then, you know, the Cardinals are going to be tempted to bring him up. If he struggles a little bit, then, yeah, they'll probably slow him down. And the same with the pitcher. So it should be one of the most exciting things to watch during the course of the season you know, to see when, when these young players will, will make their major league debuts. But, you know, all signals are that if they can continue on the path they've on, that they've been on, it could happen this year. Um, God help us. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I even brought that up because now somebody, if that ever, if, if Coachman ever gets hurt, somebody's going to ram that up my tailpipe, and I, I, don't, I don't want that. We, we, we won't hold you accountable. I, I can guarantee you that. I, I've heard so many people say we got to make this game more entertaining, and I, I've said one of the things – and I love the game, Brian. You know I love the game. 
I don't really care about the time of the game, but hey, if we got to speed it up, I guess we got to speed it up because some people are saying we got to speed it up. Got to make it, we, we need to have more action. But one of the things that's been, and I think you're the perfect guy to ask about this, one of the things that you've seen in the minor leagues, it's been brought about pitch clock, uh, electronic strike zone, those kind of things. How effective has that been in the minor leagues? And it, has it had an effect on the entertainment value of the game? Yes and no. Uh, yes, it, they've been effective, I think, in the minor leagues. Has it had a mar- uh, negligible impact on the pace of the game? No, not really. I mean, the pitch clock something that started in the Arizona Fall League. And to be honest with you, after a while, everybody got used to it, so you weren't even really looking at the clock. It just, it just became ingrained in the behavior of the players. So that's a good thing. That's an easy one. You know, that we didn't mention a runner on second base. That's something that's kind of, you know, in extra innings, that's kind of started to take, take, uh, take root. The electronic strike zone is an intriguing one, and I will tell you that's the one that it's the most controversial because it attacks one of the traditions of, of the game, which is the umpire behind the plate calling balls and strikes. I, I, purpose, I personally believe that an electronic strike zone is something that needs to be pushed forward for any number of reasons, but there are going to be, you know, some pretty significant people that are going to fight that tooth and nail. And so, you know, I don't think that's anything that we're going to see in 2021. It'll be interesting to see if it's something that comes up in the collective bargaining agreement for 2022 and beyond. Uh, but, you know, it's going to happen just like the DH, you know, is going to happen. Maybe, maybe not on the same time schedule. Absolutely. Uh, there is some news in terms of personnel. I'll wrap it up here with Carlos Martinez. He was pitching, trying to get a lot of innings down in winter ball, and he had a winner-take-all game, and he was supposed to start. And What happened there? Yeah, Carlos Martinez pitched in uh, one regular season game and then one first-round game for his Dominican club, Aguilas Sabanas. And Carlos had pitched for them in the past, uh, you know, when he was much less experienced. But it's sort of unusual for a guy with the level of major league experience that Carlos has to pitch in winter ball. Typically, they're guys either at the beginning of their careers or guys at the end of their careers, you know, like a, you know, like a Melky Cabrera kind of guy who's, you know, you know, m- much more near the end. But Carlos, of course, because his season ended without oblique injury, you know, he, he had the right idea. I think he was going to go pitch some innings in winter ball and come to camp ready. But what happened, he was scheduled to pitch um, in his team's game seven on a Saturday got scratched at the last moment. And this was a, obviously game seven winner take all series, semifinal series for his team. So this is a big, big deal in the Dominican and he was scratched. And all the only word we got was it was due to personal reasons. Now the good news is, you know, here for his team, the replacement came in and threw five shutout innings and they won the game in advance. But the bad news is when they set their, when Aguila set their roster for the final series, uh, there was no Carlos Martinez to be found. Now, they did add Nabil Chrismat, but, you know, that's not quite the same. So, you know, once again, unfortunately, there's mystery surrounding uh, Carlos Martinez regarding, uh, you know, things that may or may not have happened off the field. We just don't know what those personal reasons are, and I hate to speculate, but as the Cardinals would say, the optics aren't good. Brian, uh, what are you working on at thecardinalnation.com? Well, Dan, I hope we're going to that this won't be too uh, untopical to talk about next week, but what folks will see when they head over to the Cardinal Nation this morning is a detailed story that I've written about something I've been thinking a lot about over the recent days, and that is what if the Cardinals really don't want Wainwright and Yadi to come back? Mm. Mm. Now, I know that may sound sacrilegious, but there are some things that I've seen and that I've been wondering about that say, you know, it's sort of like when you were 
dating someone and you were serious, but you knew it wasn't going to go somewhere, you know, it's always more painful if you're the one that has to be the one to break up. And I kind of go at this and take a look at it. And it's all my think. I don't have any inside information. I'm not suggesting that I have some kind of, you know, scoop or unique pipeline. Sorry. I know you, we love scoops, but, <laughs> but, but there's enough here that I, that it turned out to be, I think a very, very interesting potential analysis of what might happen and why. Yep. And it makes a lot of sense. It's, you know, there's, that's one way to look at it. There's, there's no other way to look at it going deep now into this uh, hot stove that's not been hot. And now we're about five weeks away from the report date. So that's one way to look at it. There's no other way well, to say yeah, it. Well, yeah, I mean, it just, it just gets down to, Dan, how much money do the Cardinals want to save? How far do they want to go in under their payroll last year? And, you know, if, the, if they're too far apart in their bargaining positions, you know, how, how, what might be some ways that they could distance themselves in a way that it's not like, hey, we've turned our back on these franchise icons? Absolutely. Brian, great stuff today. Always fun. You make people think. You make me think. I appreciate it. And I tell everybody, go to thecardinalnation.com, and we'll catch you up next Wednesday. Sounds great, Dan. I guess after then we'll also be able to talk a little bit about uh, winter warm-up and what's, you know, what's cooking there too, right? You got it. That'll be the virtual winter warm-up this weekend. You can find out more at cardinals.com. That's Brian Walden of thecardinalnation.com. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. One of my idols growing up was Alex Trebek, you know, and, and being being able to be on Jeopardy years ago, even though my wardrobe outfit wasn't the greatest choice. No, no, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Everybody's dress is very bad on that show. They're, <laughs> they're doing some, uh, some guest hosting spots, and it's going to be released here pretty soon, but I have the opportunity to do one of those. Let's oh. go! Did you watch Ken last night? Did you watch Ken? I, no, I didn't see Ken last night. I was I was watching uh, watching uh, some film and and uh, checked in on the uh, college football championship as well for a little bit. But I'm excited about that opportunity with Jeopardy. So apparently, Aaron Rodgers, the QB of the uh, the Packers, will be the guest host after the passing of Alex Trebek. And Ken Jennings was really emotional as he came out. Ken Jennings, the all-time winner on Jeopardy! And he came out, he was the first guest host of what will be many to come out and host Jeopardy! I'm not sure if you saw it. I love Jeopardy! I, I just find it fascinating. And Alex Trebek, I'm not sure we have had a game show host as beloved as Alex Trebek. So Aaron Rodgers will get that, that chance. I was thinking of... Um, like the best game show host that I've ever seen that I love. And I don't know if it's a connection between them, if it's entertainment, if they're quick on their feet, maybe it's a combination of all of them. You got Bob Barker and the price is right. He was incredible. And then when he did happy Gilmore, it just gave him street cred. He was the best Richard Dawson. So Richard Dawson did the original family feud. He would kiss everybody. He was hilarious. And then he was in the running man with Arnold Schwarzenegger as a villain. So I liked him there. Uh, let's see. You got Pat Sajak still on Wheel of Fortune. I actually was on Pat Sajak's show one time. He does baseball. He does a baseball podcast or interview show or hour-long baseball show or something. But anyway, that was odd, getting interviewed by Pat Sajak to talk baseball. But interesting. I used to love the Love Connection. This is all before your time, Tanner. So the Love Connection had Chuck Woolery on. I think it was on Channel 4 here in St. Louis after the news. Odd, uncomfortable connection of love but chuck woolery was great and then monty hall and let's make a deal those are my favorites 
uh, loved those shows. Loved them and loved those hosts. They were great because they were funny. They were funny, quick on their feet. The guy that is in town that would be unbelievable at it, he's hilarious on his feet, is Jim Hayes. Jim Hayes of Fox Sports Midwest would be the best game show host in town. I also would love to get him on the red carpet for some type of Oscars because it would be a dry mockery of the entire event, which I would love. Um, This date last year, the hammer came down. I, I cannot believe this is only a year old, and it feels like it's a decade. See if you agree with me, Tanner. This date last year, the hammer came down on the Astros. It's only been a year to the day. Major League Baseball announced its punishment in relationship, uh, relation with their use of technology to steal opponent signs during the World Series in 2017. So Jeff Luno, A.J. Hinch, they're suspended for a full season. Shockwaves throughout baseball. We didn't know what spring training was going to be like. Well, we got to spring training, and the Cardinals play the Astros a bunch because they're situated very closely. Fans are booing them. They're hitting the seats, trying to give the signs away, mocking them. We thought this is going to be a real problem for the Astros all season long. Obviously, no fans in the stands. You wonder about now what goes forward does it pick up if we have fans in the stands this year no matter how many fans are in there what happens to Altuve Correa Bregman do fans remember or is it just kind of like oh you know what I'm just happy to be here I don't you know COVID-19 it's been horrible for all of us so I'm just happy to watch baseball and I'm done banging on my seat and bygones are bygones it'll be interesting I, I I think people will kind of forget about it because, like you said, it's just glad to be. I, I can't believe that's only been a year. A year to the day. Doesn't it seem like a decade oh my gosh. ago? Yeah, I, I was like wondering when you said year to date. I'm like, what's what happened a year ago? That I did not expect. From the three one four, Danny Mac, love your show, um, but to sell out the integrity of the game with your conversation with Brian Walton for the impatient millennials, don't that don't want to sit for three hours. Too bad they can stay home. The commissioner's turning the game into WWE. Um, I think you just made my point. That's the problem. I'm with you. I don't mind the pace of play. I I, I would prefer it to be faster and quicker and more entertaining and more action inside the game. So if it took three and a half hours, I don't really care. I just want to see more action. But the problem is, is that your younger fan is going to turn into the fan that turns into mom and dad. And mom and dad buy tickets. Mom and dad buy signage. Mom and dad are negotiating deals. So they're the ones that you have to engage now. And if they don't like it right now, they're not going to like it in 20 years. And that's the concern right now for Major League Baseball. It's Yes, it's about the now and making sure that your fan base is happy with the game, but you also have to appeal to your younger fan. And if your younger fan is going to the NBA or the NHL or other sports that they enjoy, they're not going to come back to baseball potentially. And those are the ones that will pay for your tickets, your signage, your boxes, your television rights, all those things. And so that's something that you have to consider as you go forward. I I think it's very, very important. Uh, What will the COVID protocols look like in the National Hockey League? So Tanner just touched upon this. So let's get into this just a little bit. And I think this is the biggest hurdle, clearly, with the National Hockey League to finish their season for any of these sports to try to do this. 
So starting tonight, the league will require teams to disclose when players have tested positive for COVID-19 during the season. Teams will no longer be allowed to use the unfit to play designation that was in place during the return to play over the summer. Any players who test positive must follow isolation guidelines established by their local public health regulations. That's a key. A player who tests positive must also be cleared by both a cardiologist and the team physician before returning to the ice. Any players who have been in close contact with a teammate that tests positive will be allowed to continue playing as long as they test negative and remain uh, remain asymptomatic. Coaches required to wear face masks on the bench. You'll see that tonight. Every player will get their own hotel room during road trips. Players and staff will not be allowed to eat at restaurants or go to bars, shops, all meals served at the team hotel, all transportation must be provided by the team so those are the protocols starting tonight uh let's get it in let's get it in it starts a 56 game race to the finish for the st louis blues looking forward to it you can listen to the game tonight on 101 espn more of what you want to hear scoops with danny mack in podcast form on 101 espn coming up. We'll have you for the next three hours with Alex Ferrario. They'll take you into the fast lane and then we have this week in Blues Hockey. That will take you into St. Louis Blues Hockey as we kick off the season. And uh, BK, away we go. What do you think? I'm I'm super excited, Dan, because we have talked so much all offseason about what this Blues team is going to look like and it's been a strange offseason where you had that kind of return to play where from March to July-ish, we're like, is this going to happen or not? And then you finally get into the bubble and there's questions as to whether or not the Blues are truly motivated to be there. It was a, you guys know all of this at this point. It was a weird situation. So basically we've gone almost 10 months since the last time that we really saw our blues play hockey. So I'm excited to see that on the ice finally tonight. And I'm excited to see them play against a really good team that everybody nationally seems to believe is the best in the league this year. So I want to see this is a pretty good measuring stick game for the blues. Yeah. If you're going to start the season, might as well go Heck against yeah. the, uh, the best. They are the odds on by Vegas. The last check for me was a couple of days ago. They're the odds on favorite. I think the blues were 18 to one odds to win the Stanley cup. Um, I think it hinges on Bennington, a lot of it. Yep. Goaltending, you know, who so we got to find out what's the, the backup, what he can do with all these games condensed, you know, what the backup, because the backup really, if you look at a 56-game season, I'm, I'm and see if you think I'm right about this, I, I'm thinking 15 to 17 games, yep. so you're looking at 30, 34 points out there with him, potentially. It's huge. It's huge. So it'll be interesting to see it all kicks off tonight. All right, what do you have coming up on the coming show? Coming up today, very excited. We've got Keith Kachuk at 11.30. want to ask him for for his thoughts on this Blues team. Also, I mean, you've got a couple kids playing in this league right now that are pretty darn good. I want to get his thoughts on Big what the season's going to look like for them. So Keith Kuchuk coming up at 1130. Chris Kerber joining the show at 1230 as well. Lots of Blues between now and the end of the show, of course. Tanner, great job. BK, looking forward to it. Blues hockey, it's back tonight on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go! This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. 
New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.